0: This is lead minister Nathan Pelahowski of RSCC. I just want to welcome you to the RSCC podcast. Here's something I want you to know. I want you to know that you matter, not because I say you matter, but because God says that you matter when he sent his son Jesus to die for us. Today, I hope this message challenges you and encourages you to take your next faith step. Well, welcome to RSCC. It is so good to be with you today. Can you give the worship team one more round of applause? They're awesome today. My name is Nathan. If this is your first time here, we welcome you. I want to do something that we don't ever do, but God put it on my heart to do And I I pray uh, that you you participate if this applies to you. What I want to do is, sometimes we just get so busy with life. Sometimes we get so caught up in, in schedules and we forget to do this. So if there's anyone here today who, it needs prayer, it feels anxious, has something going on that they want, we won't pray for you individually, but if you could just stand up, what I want to do, if you would stand up if you need any prayer, and then someone next to you just kind of place hands on them, I know there's got to be someone in here today who needs prayer, if not, that's all right, Uh, no no one wants to stand up, there's some families here, so let's pray together real quick, and then we'll get into it. God, we are so thankful uh, for who you are, Father, we know uh, there, there are prayer needs in this room, prayer concerns in this room. God, in health concerns and anxiety concerns and all type of concerns. And, and Father, I pray that you meet us in this room. God, I pray today as we have this conversation about what we're about to look at, that we're just uh, authentic and we're raw with one another and we're, we're just true and, and truthful and honest with one another, God, as we look at a, a subject that's going to apply to someone in this room today and, and someone that we love. And uh, I just hope that we remember that you love us that our hope is still in you when the world changes and everything around us changes, our hope is still in you, God. And, and we thank you for that. And uh, for those Bengal fans, God, we say who day. And we pray that uh, you be with us tonight as we have some fun. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. By the way, everybody keeps saying, this is not a California shirt. It says, California, here we come. So we got Hooday here. We got Joe Burrow here. So it's a Bengals shirt, all right, guys? I'm, I'm cheering for him tonight. Uh, but hey, I'm excited you're here. and I'm excited about this series that we're going to talk about, and we're going to be in for uh, several weeks, and I'll explain what it means in, in just a bit, but uh, growing up, I don't know how many of you are like me, but some of my least favorite words my mom or or later in my life, my stepdad would come into my life and and say would be these words. We need to talk. Anybody love those words? Because I knew when those words came out of my mom's mouth or my stepdad's mouth that I was about to be in trouble um, because that's what happened when I was growing up. And I remember a couple instances. In fourth grade, I've shared this story with some of you before. In fourth grade, uh, my teacher, Mrs. Swark, I don't know what she's doing now, but she was a mean teacher. So uh, she did this evil thing. She was nice lady, but she did this mean thing. She made us. This was before you could go online and look at your grades. Like I don't. I think we had like dial up internet still. So it took like 31 years to even get on the internet back then but you would have to take your test home. So I wasn't a good student. So you would have to take your test home. And what you'd have to do is you'd have to get them signed by your mom or your parents, by my mom. So one particular week, um, we had this, you know, two tests and and we get the test graded and I get two F's, right? Two F's, like not going to sugarcoat it. And I know every time I got an F, I got in trouble. So I came up with this great plan that, Well, my signature must not look that much different than my mom, so I'm going to sign it anyways. So I signed it, and a couple issues. One, I misspelled her name. Her name is Laura, which explains why I got two F's. And also, in my fourth grade mind, um, I couldn't really do cursive all that well yet, so I just printed her name. Right, so I printed it and misspelled it, and then I thought I got away with it. Eventually, my mom came home after parent-teacher conference and said, "Hey." We need to talk, right? And then another time, I remember when I was in high school and I had my high school girlfriend, I had my best friend and his girlfriend in the car and we were on a country road and I was going a little too fast and long story short, somehow I ended up driving my mom's car into a creek, right? And we, she came, they came and got us and they didn't yell at me or anything. I thought nothing was going to happen. Eventually, they came in my room later and said, Hey, we need to talk. And I was grounded for a long time. Then, in college, I remember this. In first year of college, first semester of college, I got two speeding tickets. Didn't tell my mom. My mom and my stepdad paid my insurance. Thought I got away with it. I just paid it until they get their insurance rates and their insurance rates go up. And they said, Hey, listen, we need to talk. Even more even more, kind of negative of that story, in Illinois, if before you're 21, if you get two, three tickets or two tickets between, before 21 for speeding, I didn't know this, but you get your license suspended for six months. So that was a great conversation with my parents too, right? So every time we need to talk comes up in my house, I was in trouble. And, and you know, when, when you hear these words, hey, we need to talk but from a boss, from a spouse, from someone you know, like, that is about to be... A heavy conversation, it may not be in trouble, but something that you're about to talk about is going to be a little heavy, it's going to be a little serious. Serious. So this series is called, We Need to Talk About It. And in this series, it's going to be five, six weeks long, and we're going to look at some things and some topics. And I'm going to tell you, some of the topics are going to be really practical, uh, kind, of sp- we can kind of sprinkle them in, but some of them are going to be pretty deep. Um, by, by the end of the series, we'll talk about sexuality and gender, got to talk about it. We'll talk about scripture and why scripture matters in our world, we'll talk about it. We're gonna talk about how do, how do I live in, in a world that, that doesn't really believe what I believe? How do I live and keep my faith in that? We're gonna talk about it. How, in the, another week, we're gonna talk about like, it, it, does, doesn't God really want me to be happy? So if I'm doing this and, and you don't approve of, of it, but it makes me happy, um, isn't that okay? And we're gonna talk about it. And today we're gonna to talk about another topic and I'll get to it in a second, but these topics we're gonna to look at is the reason we're talking about it is I've done a couple of things. I've listened and I've watched. I listened to what was going on on TikTok. I watched what was going on on TikTok. I, I listened to the emails and read the emails you sent me. I listened to conversations that Christians were having. I read books. I read blogs. But all of these topics that have been talked about over and over again in culture. And I thought, hey, listen, we need to talk about it. Because it may, sex, sexuality may make you un- uncomfortable. Gender may make you uncomfortable. The scriptures talk about scriptures may make you uncomfortable. But we need to talk about it because the world around us is talking about it. So today's topic, and we'll get to you in a second, and, and just keep this picture up, Peyton. We won't, we'll get there next slide in a second here. But but what we're going to look at is this topic that I looked around, and it, it, it surprised me. TikTok is this, this kind of social media app with videos, but TikTok, I kept seeing it over and over again by people who weren't Christians, but people were struggling with it. Then I, I saw athletes were talking about it. I can't tell you how many times... Athletes were, were quoted talking about it, and coaches were talking about it, and, and Hollywood was talking about it. So what I started to do is I started to scroll through my Spotify podcast list, and, and I have about 20, 30 churches that I, I kind of listen to, and, and I started going through their sermons. I started going through my sermons, and I'm like, listen, the world's talking about this, and maybe once in a while we're hitting it? But we're not hitting it very good when we do talk about it. And uh, we're we're not talking about it enough. And I'm gonna be honest today, I'm I'm not an expert on this field, but I'm gonna talk about it. And and, uh, I'm gonna, a lot of this uh, information I have is kind of research done from experts, from theologians, from scholars. So it's not all my own ideas, but it's a topic where one in five Americans struggle with it. One in five, that's roughly 60 million Americans. So 60 million Americans struggle with it. And it's a big, big, big topic. And sometimes the church is silent about it. So what we're going to look at today is we're going to talk about mental health in the best way I can, and, or mental illness. And we're going to have kind of a definition by the Mayo Clinic on here that says this, that mental illness refers to a wide range of mental health conditions that affect your mood, thinking, and behavior. So it affects your mood, thinking, and behavior. Examples are, and we can't, uh, we're not going to be able to hit any of these specifically today, but examples of mental illness include depression, Depression is big. 51% of Americans coming out of, uh, of COVID say they're depressed. 51%. 51% of, percent of us. Anxiety disorders, right? Anxiety is big. Schizophrenia, eating disorders, and addictive behaviors. So that's what we're going to look at today. And, and like I said, it, it is this big, big issue, this big topic. We're one out of five Americans struggle with it. What's even more sad, it says one out of five children will struggle with this in their life. One out of five. And it's also said, and I kind of did some statistics and reading, and the CDC didn't put them out, but 2019 was the last statistic they had. In 2019, nearly 50 million, 50,000 Americans took their lives. with was another roughly 1.8 million that were reported tried to commit suicide. It's something that is in our lives. It's something that's prevalent in our lives. It's something that we need to talk about. And I'll be honest, I was not always the best at talking about this. But what I believe is this, is as the church, we can be a source of strength, hope, and support for those dealing with mental health challenges. Like we need to talk about it. That Somewhere along the way, church has got to say, well, other people can deal with that. Other people can talk about that. But as the church, we can be a source of strength. When someone's struggling, they should be able to come to us. We can be a source of hope and support for those dealing with mental health challenges. Now, if you're like me, and like I said, I struggled with this. It wasn't Until I married uh, someone in the mental health field, my my wife is a mental health therapist. She's in this, but growing up, my my life, I I have people in my family who struggle with mental health, many of them. It's on both sides, my dad's side and my mom's side. Here's how we got through things. If you're depressed, stop, right, you know? If If you're anxious, stop. If you're worried, stop. If you're feeling a certain way, Stop feeling that way, right? Like, hey, that's how that's how I was raised. That's what I was taught. And I call it the really bad dad advice mindset. Everybody knows what dad advice is, right? And dad advice is like, hey, you scuff your knee, what do you say? Rub some dirt on it, right? And, and Or suck it up, buttercup. And they're trying to toughen you up, and that's good, and that's needed. And trust me, y'all, I coach for several years. Kids need to be toughened up a little bit, right? We need that kind of advice. But where it comes really bad dad advice is we... We say that with people in mental health we're like hey uh, oh you're sad you're depressed you're anxious pop on some K-love and that's not from God you know pop on K-love and pray about it and everything will be okay get your K-love on listen to Brant Hansen right 933 or whatever it is right pop it on everything will be okay but that doesn't cut it you know it doesn't cut it right I know it doesn't cut it so I was curious. So I went and I started talking to some Christians over the last several weeks and months that I knew struggled with mental health illness, but also went to church or used to go to church or was a Christian. And I said, well, what was your experience? And so I didn't want to just be biased with what my experience is. And my experience is different than someone who doesn't sit on the stage or preach on the stage. And so I said, well, what have you experienced? What have you heard? And there are a few stories who said, hey, our church was really well equipped and did really great with that. And they understood it. But most of the stories were something like this. Well, I was told over and over again that I just didn't have enough faith. I was told, hey, uh, you just need to pray about it more. I was told, one person said, well, I was told over and over again that if I'm depressed or have anxiety that I must have some type of demon in me. And over and over again, I heard these stories of people coming to churches at their lowest, coming to churches in a time of need and hearing things like that. And I thought, man, how deflating is that? How would that feel to come in, at the time of need and time of hurt and, and time of, of confusion maybe? And you hear, well, you just you, your, your faith isn't strong enough. And what I saw and what I realized is if you talk with Christians at times in churches, we struggle with how to handle mental health. But it should matter to us. It should matter to us because one in five Americans Struggle with it. Maybe you're one, one of the five. One in five children or teenagers or adolescents will struggle with it. Maybe someone you love struggles with it. And we don't talk about it, but we need to talk about it because it's real. And, and we can get up here and we can, you know, do these health and wealth and we can do uh, prosperity and we can talk about other issues and we do talk about other issues, but we need to talk about some real things. One of the most damaging things that can happen is is I was reading articles and talking to Christians is tell someone who's struggling with depression, anxiety, mental health, whatever it may be, is like, hey, just pray more. Just read your Bible more, go to church more. And I, I'm an advocate for praying more and reading your Bible more and going to church more. And some people, for some people, that is enough. And for some people, that is what they need to do. For some people, the problems they're facing in their life is because they're not praying enough, reading Scripture enough, or, or, or you know, going to church. That they're far away from God. But for other people, it's not the case. Right? Other people they may need some more. It's like this: like if I was playing basketball on this court right here, right? And you saw me, and I'm up here making shot after shot, you know, looking good, jumping, like you know, almost dunking still like man that guy must be awesome right and then all of a sudden I tear my ACL right boom just jump up like it's not far-fetched like just bump up you know just jump and tear my ACL right and then you come up to me and you say hey dude you tore your ACL because you didn't pray enough you didn't believe enough you didn't have enough faith you know what I would tell you in church terms I would tell you to kick rocks and get out of my face right I'm gonna go to the doctor I'm gonna get some rehab I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to find the best surgeon in the Cincinnati area and and, and do what I can to make this knee feel better. Why? Because I have doctors and I take care of needs. And and so when we say, hey, just pray about it. Just have more faith. Just just read scripture. Just listen to worship music. Yes, that works for some people and that should be part of the equation. But for some people, it's not enough. For some people, they need to go to to doctors or counselors or or take medicine that God has provided us in, in this world. And I love what the great Charles Spurgeon said. He has this amazing quote. Charles Spurgeon is this theologian, this scholar. This is what he says, right? He says, the mind, listen to this quote, the mind can descend far lower than the body, for in it there are bottomless pits, the flesh can bear only a certain number of wounds and no more. It's like your, your body, you only like can take so many wounds and, and no more. But the soul, your, your, your heart, your mind, your, your brain, your soul can bleed in, in 10,000 ways and die over and over again each hour. Let me say that again. The mind can descend far lower than the body. For in there, there are bottomless pits, the flesh can bear only a certain number of wounds and no more, but the soul can bleed in 10,000 ways and die over and over again each hour. And for some people, this is the reality. Uh, this isn't my reality, but just because it's not my reality doesn't mean it's not someone else's reality. And here's Charles Spurgeon, a, a, a great Christian, a great scholar, a great man of God saying this is what I struggled with. And I think there's some of you struggling here. I think there's people listening struggling with this. I think there's people in your family who struggles with this. So if this is you, if you struggle with mental health, I want to say this. We're glad you're here. And you matter to us. You're important to this church. You're important to the body of Christ. You're not a project that needs to be fixed. And we love you. We love you. But more important than us God cares about your mental health. And how I know that is I read through scripture and I read through the Old Testament and the New Testament and I see a God over and over again telling his people, turn to me, turn to me, come to me. In your time of need and time of anxiety, cast it on me. Put, turn to me. And here are a couple of examples. 1 Peter 5, cast, casting all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Philippians 4, six. do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, anxiety, is that a mental health issue? Yes, it is. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all your understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Present it to God. God cares. Jesus, the Savior of the world, says this in Matthew on the next slide. It says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened mental health, depressed, anybody who who feels worn out in life, and I will give you rest. Here's what's awesome. He goes, take my yoke. Let go of your yoke, but take my yoke, and, and you learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. God cares about our mental health. God cares about what we're feeling. God cares about what's going on in our minds and our souls and our hearts. God cares about the thoughts in our brains. And as a church, we should care enough for one another. We should be there for one another. And I think of this story in Scripture when Jesus is preaching in Capernaum and he's in a house. And then we got five friends. These guys, I don't know who they are, but it's like the five best friends that anybody can have. Like, that's why I kind of think in my mind. So there's five of them. And four of them are good. They're good to go. They're not hurting. They're not paralyzed. But there's a fifth one. He's on a stretcher, and they're carrying him. And they're like, hey, we got to get this guy, our friend, to Jesus. We got to get him to Jesus. We don't know much about Jesus, but we've heard stories, and we've heard that Jesus heals, and we heard that Jesus can do things that no one else cares about, that Jesus cares about us. So like, we got to get him there. So they get to this house And the house is packed. It's full of people. And so they go to the roof of this house and will pick up and bark. It says this They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So what they did, they dug a hole through the roof above his head and then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of him. They did whatever it took to get their friend to Jesus, and they dug a hole in someone else's roof, right? They just digging a hole, and they lower him down to Jesus, and they put him at the feet of Jesus because they knew that Jesus cared, that Jesus could heal, and Jesus heals the man. And, and, and why I love this story is this. They carried him. They didn't leave him in his his condition. They didn't leave him in his physical condition. And when it comes to mental health, we got to carry one another. we got to be there for one another. The Bible says we are to carry each other's burdens, that we should be a community that when someone is at their lowest, when someone is at their darkest, when someone is suffering, that we say, hey, you don't have to suffer alone. You don't have to be by yourself. Why? We'll carry you. We'll carry you. we got four guys right here ready to carry you. we got four ladies right here ready to carry you. And here's what's awesome. At any given point in our journey, any given point in our lives, we could be the one who needs carried. And we gotta carry each other. God cares about mental health. We gotta care about mental health. We have to care about each other. So what we're gonna look at today, and I'm gonna go over a couple misconceptions, a couple thoughts and phrases, but we're gonna jump into a, a psalm called Psalm 42, if you wanna turn your Bible there, and we'll get there in a second, but I wanna kinda give you three phrases that kinda, that kinda came to my mind this week as I was working on this. And the first one is this, if this is you struggling, if you're here, and you're struggling with this, if you're here and you have a loved one struggling with this, I want you to kind of understand this, but if this is you personally, I'm talking to you. It may describe your thoughts and behaviors, but it doesn't define you. And what I have what I've found in talking with Whitney and reading is that many times people that struggle with a mental health issue, a depression, anxiety, um, bipolar, whatever it may be, they're like, hey, I'm depressed and that's who I am. I have anxiety and that's who I am. I have this, and that's who I am. I'm addicted. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, you know, I'm addicted to alcohol or drugs. That's who I am. And they said, that's my identity, and that's who I am. And it may define your condition. It may define your circumstances. It may define your thoughts, but it doesn't define you. Here's what's awesome. The Bible tells us, in Christ, we are a new creation. Well, your identity, and when you put your identity and faith in Christ, your identity is not, is not found in your condition. Your identity is found in Jesus and not a condition, an illness, or struggle. So it, it may describe you, right? That may be who you are. That may be something that you struggle with. That may be something your loved one struggles with. But that does not define them. Your identity is found in Jesus and not a condition, an illness, or struggle. So that's the first thing. Second thing is this. Is your faith isn't broken if you're struggling with mental health. It's not broken. And So what, what happens sometimes is we tend to think like, well, my, my, my faith must be broken, I must not have enough faith, I must not have uh, pray enough, I must not read enough, and I must just not, I must be a broken Christian, and I, to that I say, aren't we all, right? We're all broken Christians, right? And, and so what, we, what happens is throughout history, if you can see this, you can read this and study this, that Christians excluded people with mental health, saying, well, your faith isn't strong enough, or you must be excluded from having a strong faith, if that's the case, Men like Elijah, excluded. Elijah, what it was, his condition in 1 Kings was so bad that he wanted to kill himself. He wanted to take his own life. David, you know the man after God's own heart? He's excluded because you read some of the Psalms he wrote. He was in this desperate, emotional state. Book of Jonah, Jonah's excluded. Job's excluded. Christians like Mother Teresa, excluded. Christians like Charles Spurgeon, excluded. Just because you struggle with mental health doesn't mean your faith is broken. Number three thing to remember is that God is with you. What's so cool is that if you read that story about Elijah when he wants to take his life, God doesn't say, hey, you know what? I'm done with you. I give up on you. You're so hopeless. How could you have no faith? I'm shunning you. Here's what God does. He gets closer. He gets closer. And he, I think he literally, he says, get up and eat something, right? Get up and eat something, right? And he's like, get up. Just stand up. What he does is he doesn't draw from him. He draws to him. And he whispers, Elijah. I'm here, no, 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 I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And when you're struggling, God's not withdrawing from you. He's drawing in and say, hey, I'm here, I'm with you, I got you, I understand, I'm here. So God is with you. And, and then I wanted to say this, and, and as, we struggle, as, as we look at Psalm 42, and, and what we're gonna do is we're, it, we're gonna look through verses one through 11, and we're gonna break each verse down, verse by verse, and we're gonna kinda dissect what's going on here. But I want to say this, and my wife helped me come up with this because I wanted to be as correct and, um, as I possibly could and say it in the, the most graceful way as I could. Treating mental health is a dis- different equation for everyone. How to overcome it, how to live with it, how to cope with it, it, it's different for everyone. But the first step is the same for everyone. And the first step always involves turning to God. So treating mental health, it's a different equation for everyone, right? And I can't even begin to tell you. I'm not an expert. I don't know enough. Um, but it's, it, the equation is different for everyone, right? But the first step is always the same for everyone. Turn to God. So with that said, we're, we're going to jump into Psalm 42. Psalm 42 is, we don't know who the author is. We don't know what they're going through. Um, We don't know the situation. We don't know exactly what's going on. Um, We know that this psalm is part of eight series of of psalms that would have been sang, that would have been preached, uh, read as a poem, excuse me. And, And we know that the book of Psalms is about deep emotion. You know, the book of Psalms is to show us that God cares about our emotions, to bring our emotions to God, and the state of this person and the author of this psalm, we'll call him him today, the psalmist, is this deep, dark, emotional state. So if you've got your Bibles, we'll be Psalm 42, and starting in verse 1 and 2, and we'll read all the way through verse 11. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? So by the way, he starts off with this imagery of a a deer panting for water for a, a deer looking for, for a stream of water to drink from. Now, now this is not like your grandma's pillow. You know, back in, like, I remember grandma's pillows, they had that picture of a deer drinking by a, by a stream. It's like, Bambi, it's all cute. Like, it, you got flowers everywhere. Where I think in the Bambi movies, she got like a skunk falling around or something. I don't know, right? We we, we think this cute little, like, oh my gosh, Bambi drinking water from a stream. That is so cute, right? But here's what he says. That's not the picture here. He says that the deer pants for streams of water. The deer is dying of de- dehydration, man. I think of, of two days in football where my coach used to say, you're not getting any water until I'm thirsty. I'm like, dude, you're not doing anything but stand there. You're never going to be thirsty, right? And, and you're so thirsty, and you're so thirsty, and that's what this the author is saying. He's like, I am so thirsty for God in my life. I, I, I'm panting for God's presence. I feel in such a condition where I feel like I, I, I'm dehydrating, and you know what dehydration does? It, it's this ugly thing. It, it makes you hallucinate. It, it withers your body away, right? You, you can't survive long without water, and when you're desperately looking for water, it, it's like you, you're doing whatever you can to find water. He's like, I'm a deer looking in the desert for water. and I can't find any water. I'm looking for a stream to drink for from. My soul thirsts for God. I, 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 I got this soul, this feeling in my soul where I'm thirsty. My soul thirst for God, for the living God. And I learned this week, I'll be honest, guys, I, I, I don't know much about deer, right? I, I know I've lived here for eight years. I know some of you are deer experts. You go out there and shoot them. And some seasons you don't get any. I don't know how you don't get any because they're everywhere. You don't have to look for a deer here. They will literally find you, boom, run right into your car, right? Like there's so many of them here. But deers, did you know this? And you may know, but maybe this is just useless information. But a deer drinks or will put its head down in a stream or a puddle or a pond. When? When they feel safe. What this man is saying, he's like, I'm thirsting to feel safe. I'm thirsting to put my head down where, where God is. But I can't seem to find it. I'm thirsting for it. I'm thirsting for the living God. So he's like, I- I'm looking for a place where I can drink. My soul can drink where I feel safe, but I can't feel it. So that's his state. That's his condition. In verse three, he continues with this. And he says, my tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? This isn't just a bad day not just a, a bad feeling it's not just a bad week it's not a bad season he says my tears have been my food it's this moment in this spot where he's in and he just feels so overwhelmed and he feels so dark he's like i can't eat all i'm eating is my tears all i'm feeling is my emotions um, someone named jay glazer who is an analyst for fox he wrote this book and he says this is what i call living in the gray Around the outside, everybody thinks I'm okay and I'm smiling and I'm happy, but on the inside, I'm dying. And he's like, and all I can think about it is how th- what things aren't going right and, and just this overwhelming feeling of emotion. That's what this man's feeling. He's like, my, my tears, they, they've been my food day and night. And, and on top of it, his enemies are mocking him. Where is your God? So what do you do when you feel like that? What do you do when you feel Isolated? What do you do when you feel hopeless? What do you do when you feel like you're all alone? What do you do when you feel like there's no way out? What do you do when, you feel, when you're thirsting for, for the drink from a well where you feel safe? What do you do when you, your tears and your emotions are your food? Well, let's see what he does. Verse 4, these things I remember. As I pour out my soul, as I, as I just pour out my soul here, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts and joys and praise among the festive throng. What he does is he remembers. He remembers. He's like, I, I remember what it was like. I remember what it was like when I was in the house of, the, of God. And I was praising God and worshiping God. I remember what it was like when, when God was protecting me. I remember what it was like when, when God's presence was in my life. I remember how that felt. And I want to feel that feel that again. I, I'm thirsting to feel that way again. I'm thirsting to feel God in my life. But I, I can't. I, I'm longing to worship God. I'm longing to be in his presence. He, he feels alone. And he feels isolated. And he feels well, He feels like whatever he is going through, we don't know what it is, he's going through by himself. But he is longing. Longing to be in the presence of God. And I wonder, when's the last time we've just longed to be in the presence of God, just longed to to worship God? He's like, uh, I'm alone, I'm isolated, I'm feeling whatever I feel, and I I just longed to drink from the well of God again. I wonder when's the last time we just longed to drink from the well of God, the stream of God in our life. And so then what we see next is so common. And when we struggle with mental health, here's what we see next. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why, don't, why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. What he does here is so important. He starts talking to himself. Not in a weird way, in a crazy way. He starts talking to himself. He's like, why? Why am I downcast? Why am I so anxious? Why am I so depressed? Why am I feeling the way that, that I'm feeling? And then he's like, uh, here's what I need to tell myself. I need to tell myself that I need to praise God, to put my hope in God, that God is my savior. Here's what he's doing. He's taking what he knows to be true. Not, he's talking to how he knows to be true. He's, and Here's what he knows to be true, that God is a savior. And he's not talking to how he feels There's this famous quote by by a man named Martin Lloyd-Jones. And he says this, the problem with Christians is that we spend too much time listening to ourselves and not enough time talking to ourselves. We spend too much time listening to ourselves and not talking to ourselves. And, And it goes something like this. You wake up in the morning and all of a sudden you start listening to your anxiety You start listening to your depression. You start listening to these feelings and these emotions that you have instead of saying, or instead of talking to yourself, saying, God, I, I put my hope in God. God, I trust you. God, I know that you can handle what I'm going through. We, we listen to ourselves more than we talk to ourselves. And, and this man here is like, I, I gotta talk to myself because I, I, gotta, I, gotta talk, I gotta talk to myself because my emotions are so strong and my emotions, they can lie to me. I need to start talking truth to myself. So what he does, he's like, he talks to himself. And he says, hey, put your hope in God for I will yet praise him, my savior, my God. And here's what he does. He starts talking to himself but what he does is he placed his hope he placed his hope in the only place that hope can actually come from. He goes, I know how I'm feeling, but I got to place my hope. I got to put my hope somewhere. I'm going to put it, the hope in the truth I know. I'm going to put my hope in God. I'm going to put my hope in that God will save me, that God will deliver. I'm going to put my hope that God will keep his promises. I got to put my hope in the one who will save me. I got to put my hope in the one who's been there for me before. I got to put my hope in the only one who can get me through this. And I'm going to say this, you have to believe that too. You got to believe that too. Here's what, here's what we got to do. Is we got to use the truth of God. What's the truth of God? That God keeps his promises, that God cares, that God will be with us in our struggle, that God will deliver us, that God is a God who, who loves, God is a gracious God, God is bigger than anything we feel. We got to use the truth of God as a weapon against the darkness that is setting in on, on your heart and your mind. You gotta use that truth. The best weapon you have is that truth. You gotta put that truth, you gotta use that truth to combat those feelings, those emotions. And I know it's hard and it's struggling because as soon as this man starts talking about this, here's what happens. He does what so many of us do. He goes back to back to his emotions and he says this in verse seven. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. He's like, I feel so overwhelmed by these emotions. I feel so overwhelmed by what's going on. I feel like I'm, I'm gonna drown. And he continues and this is what he says. He goes, but day by day, Hey, the lord directs his love at, at, at night his song is with me a prayer to god of my life he's like so he's like again he's talking to himself but here's what he says back verse nine i say to my god my rock who i place my hope in why have you forgotten me why must i go about mourning you ever feel that god why have you forgotten me god why, uh, you're my rock you're my hope but why have you forgotten me why? why, 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 why am I still here, God? Why are you doing this to me? Why must I go on mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Why must I go on with this feeling? Why must I go on with this illness? Why must I go on with whatever my circumstances? My bones suffer mortal agony as my fo- foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? You ever felt that way? Like, you, you don't know what else to say. You know the hope. You got to put your hope in the, the anchor. But you're like, God, why, why have you forgotten me? I, I bet you there's some of you who feel that way. God, why? why? You're my rock. I'm talking to you, but I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't feel you. In verse 11, he says, why my soul? This might sound like a repeat, but why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. It's a repeat of what he says in verse five. That's how it ends. That's how we're ending. And it's so weird, because the psalm ends with him still in a battle, but pointing his head and his heart towards hope. He's not okay yet. And maybe you're not okay yet. I want to say it's okay. Okay. He's like, I'm not where, I, I still feel this way. I'm not where I want to be yet. But I'm pointing my head, my thoughts and my heart towards hope. I'm heading in the right direction. I'm not, I'm not done yet. I still feel these emotions. I still got my circumstance, but, but I'm pointing in the right direction. And that's what's so, so important. I'm pointing in the right direction. And you know what? God is not waiting on him to get right. God's with him. And I think that's Hope. God's not waiting on him to get right. He remembers that God is with him. The God that he thirsts for, the God that he longs for, is like God, I'm not, I'm not where I want to be yet. And these emotions and these feelings are strong still. But you're not waiting for me to get right. You're a God who's with me in the midst of my struggle and my pain. So what do we do with this? What can we take with this and what can we apply? And so I want to do this. There's four things. One, be honest with God. And what I mean by be honest with God, that's the prayer part, right? You have to pray. We said, we said the equation is different for everyone, but it starts with God, right? We start with turning God. Be honest with God. And this whole psalm, why, why I love it is he's so raw and he's so authentic. God, I don't feel you always. God, I don't know why you've deserted me. God, I don't know why I'm going through this. He, he's honest with God, and I encourage you, whatever you're feeling, whatever you're going through, bring it to God. God is a God who cares. God is a God who can handle it. We need to bring it to God. We need to be honest with God. The second thing we need to do is we need to preach the gospel to ourselves. Preach the gospel to yourself. And what do I mean by that? Two times in this psalm, you see this, 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 this psalmist preaching the gospel to himself. When, when, he, when, he's, when he's in a bad situation, he starts preaching God as hope. He's, he starts preaching that God is bigger than this, that God can handle this. So for you and I, when we're in the middle of this situation and a feeling, and, and maybe it's something we struggle with every day, we got to preach the gospel to ourselves. Preach it. And here's a great one to preach yourself. Romans 8, 38, verses uh, 38 through 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither I- uh, any height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of our God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Preach that to yourself. Preach it. No matter what I'm feeling, no, no matter how depressed I am, no matter how anxious I am, I am, no matter what condition or emotions I have, nothing can separate us from the love of God. That, uh, in the middle of our situation, in the middle of our pain, pain, precious, God is with me. God loves me. God isn't separated from me. God is a God who loves me. God is a God who cares for me. And you're going to preach that to yourself over and over again. Talk to yourself because you listen to you more than you listen to anybody else. Talk this to yourself. Talk scripture to yourself. That's why memorizing scripture is so important so we can start preaching these words to ourselves. So we gotta, we gotta be honest with God. We gotta preach the gospel to ourselves. And then number three is we gotta figure out the equation that works for you. Right? I said it, the equation starts the same for all of us. It starts with turning to God, and, and, but that may not be the only point. Right, for some other people turning to God and praying and reading scripture, going to church, that's gonna fix some of the issues. That, 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 That may make you feel better. That may be enough for some of us. But for others of us, it won't be. There's something else that needs to be added to the equation. You may need to find a counselor. I encourage finding a Christian counselor. You may need to take some medicine. You may need to go to rehab. You may need to join a support group. There may be other things that you need to add to the equation. But I promise you, starting with God is always the first step of any equation. And don't be discouraged to find a doctor. Don't be just like you're not discouraged to find a doctor who works on our legs, our knees, our arms, our brains. Don't be discouraged to find a counselor or a psychologist. I love this quote that I found this week. To seek help of professionals does not deny God's power or ability to heal us. God works through those God has called and equipped to heal. God works through mental health therapists. God works through mental health doctors. And I also want to give you a quote that my my wife said this week. Uh, I've quoted her. She says, we aren't intended to be perfect or know exactly what to do or how to handle things, but we're supposed to rely on on God to fill in our cracks. We need to make sure that we're not just sitting in anxiety or anxious behaviors. We need to make sure we're not just allowing depression to run or take over our lives. We need to figure out the equation that works for us. Number four, remember that God is the anchor of hope that's what the psalm ends with I'm not alright but I'm going to remember that in the middle of my darkness in the middle of my pain in the middle of my struggle in the middle of my emotions that I have hope I have hope because of God and that hope comes from this that God who so loved the world sent his one and only son into this world and his son was crucified on the cross he put in a tomb and three days later he raises from the dead promising that we're no longer separated from God by anything in this world, sin, anxiety, depression. We're no longer slaves to anything. That our hope comes from what? Our hope comes from an empty tomb because we have a Savior who loves us, who's there with us in the midst of our struggle, who is calling us to be in a relationship with him. And for some of us today, we're struggling with this, and you haven't put your hope in God yet. You haven't run to, ran to the empty tomb. You haven't ran to the Savior of the world yet. So today, we wanna to give you the opportunity to place your hope. This, the psalmist placed his hope in God. We're gonna give you an opportunity to place your hope in the Savior of Jesus. We will be back here at these double doors to talk with you, to pray with you. But I hope today that you leave here placing your hope and you remember, you're not projects need to be fixed, that you're loved by us and you're loved by God. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful for who you are. We're so thankful that we can place our hope in you, that, that you don't turn from us or run from us in the midst of our pains and our struggles, but you're a God who allows us to run into your arms. Father, today, if there's anyone here who needs to run into your arms for the first time, to make a decision to follow you, to, to give their life to you, to place their hope, Father, we pray that they do this during this time. It's in your name we pray. Amen been great hanging out with you guys today. I hope that message challenges you and encourages you today. We would love to have you on campus sometime at one of our services at 8.30 or 10.45 on Sunday. Or to find out more information about RSEC, you can always go to the RSEC Family app. Or follow us on any social media platform at RSEC Family. Most of all, remember, you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says you matter. Now go and be blessed.